You hearing things? <clears throat> buzzing, buzzing in your ear. Morning, ma'am. How are you? Lovely. How's everybody doing this morning? Just fine. Bruce is doing good, so we can start. And Ralph's here. We have a quorum. <laughs> Thanks, Ralph. <clears throat> All right. So is anything new and happening this week other than the Middle East in turmoil? Congress in turmoil. Ukraine's in turmoil. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Because <laughs> there's a lot of turmoil. <laughs> You're getting your hair cut. That's always a big event. <laughs> Don't you have something coming up? You, re you ready for that? Halloween. You ready for that? Absolutely. I bet. That, that's how you know you're, you're, you need it, I guess. <clears throat> All right. Well, let's pray and, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we thank you for gathering us once again in your house. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for how you use that word to, to show us yourself and how you use that word to show us ourselves. And uh, Father, I pray that we would quiet our hearts and our minds and focus on you this morning. And uh, Father, I just pray that you would teach us from your word. I pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> so last week, what did we talk about? Jesus. Jesus. You can't, you can't use that answer. What about him? Don't feel too bad because I had to go back and look at my notes from last week to get the details because they all kind of run together. Last, last week we talked about the uh, sacrifice. You remember we talked about the, the scapegoat where you, you put your sins on the goat and then you sacrifice the goat and um, then we compared that to the scriptures uh, that talk about Jesus and how he's our perfect sacrifice and he's the sacrifice that's, that's eternal. <laughs> Um, Jesus poured out his blood for us. Um, and we talked about um, how that, that sacrifice is, is the one that, that takes our sins away. So this, this morning we're going to talk um, about resurrection. And what do you think the people in Old Testament times, since we're trying to put ourselves in their shoes, what do you think about the, the people in Old Testament times thought about resurrection? Sadducees didn't believe there was such a thing. So I wonder what they thought happened after you died. Did you just go back to dust? I got to tell you that I just read Job 19 this morning. And that's, I know that in my flesh when I see God, I must have seen for myself and not another. That's Job 19. Proper answer. <laughs> so why didn't the Sadducees believe that? Do you think? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the Sadducees were, were the religious liberals of their day. 
So they didn't believe. I think the first five books they, they took to be scripture and the rest of it, they just kind of. But they were more during the time of Christ. Right. Not really Old Testament as much. And so it, you, know, you have glimpses into their view of the afterlife, like David, when he lost his son, said, yeah. oh, he will, I will not go to him, but, or I, he will not come to me, but I will go to him. So right. you have that sense of, yeah. that there is an afterlife. I think it just wasn't always as clear. But as Dad said, I mean, Job's the oldest book we have. And so clearly he believed that he would see the Redeemer. Yeah. And that kind of shapes the rest of the Old Testament. Yeah, so I, I think by the time that Jesus came, um, things had gotten a little bit murkier because of, of who, right. who was teaching what and the different groups that, that were teaching different things. Um, Right. Uh, even the even the Messiah, you know what uh, my dad pointed out from Job. I think Job, even Job, is kind of picturing he will see the Redeemer at the general resurrection right. at the yeah. end right. of history, which is certainly true. Right. Um, but I think that that's why uh, the resurrection was such a powerful thing for the earliest disciples, and one of the most powerful witnesses to the truth yeah. of that it happened. And that Jesus uh, did truly rise from the dead because the idea of them inventing the idea of a Messiah who would rise from the dead in this life, in this mm -hmm. world, was completely foreign to their understanding mm -hmm. of the Bible. Right. It's, it's not something that they would go, oh, well, this will prove. Well, if we just make it up yeah. to say that Jesus rose <laughs> from the dead, then this will prove that he's the Messiah. They didn't think that way. Right. So the only reason for, for them to be constantly saying in every sermon that they ever preached, Jesus rose from the dead. We know it's the truth because he rose from the dead. That's a testimony. They said that because it happened, mm -hmm. not because anyone was expecting it to happen. And in fact, whenever they talked about it to um, Jewish audiences or to pagan audiences, they completely, that was the point whenever Paul was preaching, he got to the resurrection and then the riot started. <laughs> oh, come on, you know, they threw him out of town, they started bringing the dragon into the, uh, you know, Colosseum. All that was because of the resurrection, because no one, both the pagans and the Jews, had a concept that someone could rise again from the dead in this life. They thought it was uh, nonsense. Yeah. Even the disciples. Oh, yeah. Whenever, whenever it first happened, even the disciples didn't put two and two together and, and see... Uh, what what was going on, um, and so it was it like like Pastor Joel said it was a concept that wasn't really at the top of their mind, um, and that uh, whenever he was talking it just reminded me of the the disciples that were on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus and they didn't know it was Jesus but Jesus came came alongside them, and you know they said that you know from the from the scriptures he he pointed out the things about him. And, and I think that was probably part of it is um, that, that the Savior had to die and, and be raised again. But um, 
So, so yeah, I think the Old Testament people had a concept of the re resurrection and, and the, you know, the, the end times, but uh, they didn't really have a lot of uh, meat on those bones yet. Um, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. So we are created with, with a sense of eternity. We are created with a sense that this is not all there is. And so um, I think for the Sadducees and, and you know, other people, um, to just say that I think is, is um, going down the wrong road. And one of the commentators I read this, this week said, the very root of Israel's hope of immortality was found in its belief in God as its creator and redeemer. <laughs> It's covenant God in whose fellowship they found joy, life, peace, and perfect satisfaction. Would they have panted after him as they did have, have entrusted him? Would they have panted after him as they did, have entrusted themselves to him completely in life and death, and have sung of him as their portion forever if they felt that all he offered them was but for a brief span of time? In other words, would they have viewed God the way that, that he is portrayed in Scripture throughout all the years if, if this was all there is? And I think the answer is no. They, they viewed this as an eternal, eternal thing. Um, and, Just one more shot. Mm -hmm. Actually, you'll find often in the Psalms throughout the Old Testament the concept of Sheol. Yeah. Wait a minute. <laughs> the, the, the Psalms say some weird stuff. It, it, right. It's Sheol equals hell. But if you, if you get this, and it took me forever to get it, that it's the place of the dead. It's the place where you're waiting for the resurrection, and a lot, of, a lot more of it makes sense. So it's a purgatory thing. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. No, Kidding. No, it is not purgatory. <laughs> yeah, there's heaven and hell. So yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just the intermediate right. state. Yeah, I, I was just kidding. I shouldn't have said purgatory. That was a joke. That was entirely a joke. Because that's what it sounds like. So yeah, it, it does sound like it. And that's what, that's what reminded me of it. Um, so in a sense, if, if we use that same term, because now what we believe now that whenever we die, our bodies are in the ground, but our souls are with, with God, right? So if we use that same term, then God is in shale. Right. Right. Yeah. You. Yeah. So there's not a good comparison in New Testament terms to that term. 
Right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's, I guess, the point I'm trying to make is that both of them, the, the rich man is awaiting, you know, sort of the final destination in hell, the physical right. hell of the resurrection of right. the physical body at the end of time. And the poor man in that story is awaiting the resurrection to glory, physical glory and the new heavens and the new earth. But both of them in Jewish thought and Christian thought Waiting for that ultimate final resurrection. Waiting for the next step. And, of course, one of the big differences between that and purgatory, the concept of purgatory, is purgatory, you've got to do stuff to get out of it and go on to the next step. So purgatory, is that's not it. Yeah, it's not real. That's the other difference. Well, it's all purgatory is hell in a way. Right. It is a place of punishment. Right. In order to basically work off your until you do enough good things to, to get out of it. Right. And so that Yeah, well that too. <laughs> There's more coming. which is exactly what I was going to the next thing here. And, and uh, Jesus said, and this is Matthew 22, 31 and 32, and as for the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was said to you by God? I am the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. He is not God of the dead, but of the living. And so that's the way Jesus was interpreting it too, is, you know, that's not all there is. Once you die... Once this body dies, that's not all there is. There's more. Um, so I guess I never really put a lot of thought into it. Um, but the more I think about it, you know, the more verses and some of the ones that uh, you guys have mentioned I didn't think of. Um, but, you know, the more you think about it, the more verses there are that, that indicate that um, we've always thought that there was more than, than this life. Most of us. So, 
We're going to start this, this morning with Psalm 16, and this is one of the ones that um, kind of prophesies what's going to happen uh, to Jesus. Could somebody read that first slide? I broke it into two slides just so it would be big enough to where you could read it a little bit better. Um, can somebody read that first part? So Matt, this question is for you. What's God? What's David asking God for? I told you the answer before we even started. <laughs> to preserve him. Um, what else is is David asking God for? Refuge. Refuge. Yes. Protection. Um, what's he praising God for? his inheritance, um, because the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Um, and I don't know this, some of you guys who know Hebrew could probably tell me better, but that just sounds like, you know, the, the property lines, whenever people divide different things, you know, for an inheritance, the lines have, have fallen to me in, in pleasant places. I've gotten a really good, a really good uh, inheritance from, from God. And he points out that the sorrows of those who run after another God will multiply in their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out. So um, David is on the side of, of, the, of God. He, he's doing uh, God's work. God has blessed him. He's praying God to, to preserve him. So we move, we move forward to the next part of it here. It's also a confession. Yeah. He says, I have no good apart from you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that... that confirms the, uh, or does away with the, the works of the law uh, to, to get us anywhere. I, will bless, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or let your Holy One see corruption. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So David's talking about, you know, the Lord gives him counsel, uh, just like he gives us counsel. We we learn, um, and and the Holy Spirit teaches us. Um, What do you think the, the phrase, in the night also my heart instructs me, means? Day and night. So, I don't know, do you ever find yourself awake at night and, you know, you're worrying about whatever? And so, a lot of times I'm thinking, well, did I let the cat out? <laughs> did, did Diane let the cat out? Does the cat even need to be out? <laughs> what happens if, 
what happens if my boss does this? I don't think she's going to do that, but I really, I, that wouldn't be good if she did that. You know, and you go on and on and on down that rabbit trail. Um, sometimes I have the discipline, <laughs> sometimes, to meditate on what God says. And those, that's a really good time, even though, you know, my flesh would rather be asleep. Those are really good times with the Lord because everything's quiet and you can just think about, you know, the blessings that he's given you the promises that he's made to you. Um, and, you know, you, you spend that time with the Lord, and, and that's, uh, that's some, some really good time. That verse is also kind of is humorous to me because it, it shows how different language is from one age to another. That word that's, trans, or that's written there, heart, is really kidneys. And so I think it's kind of funny that he was, you know, his kidneys were instructing him. We know what he was, what he meant, but um, but we wouldn't say that these days. Um, so, how will God preserve him in life? Yeah, I mean, the Lord gives me counsel. So how often did David, you know, inquire of the Lord and say, shall I, you know, go and do this or shall I go and do that or, or whatever? And God gives him the answer. Yes, go and, and you know, take the Philistines. They're, I'm giving them into your hand. Um, and he sets the Lord before him. And so he's obedient to the Lord. He humbles himself to what God on his good days, he humbles himself to, to what God would have him to do. So, um, so he, he is preserved uh, throughout the life by God's counsel, by God's instruction, and also by the confidence that, that he has in God. How comforting is it to us to know that, that God is on our side? I mean, do you think about that? God is on your side. He's not doing, we all have tests and, and you know, trials in our lives, but he's not doing it to hurt us. He's doing it to help us. He's got a plan for our lives, and, and, uh, and it's a plan for us to prosper. It's also comforting to know that the Lord can accept people that you're praying for, and a lot of times they don't want to listen to what you have to say, and that's why you need to tell them. <laughs> and it's, you know, sometimes he uses us to that's, that's a tricky, tricky thing. Because <laughs> if somebody comes to you and they say, say uh, God told me to tell you. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I kind of run the other way whenever somebody says that. Um, I did, and, and I've never had that happen to me as far as God telling me to tell anybody anything, but I did have one time a, a coworker of mine, I just had a sense that, you know, what she was going to do was not, going to be honoring to God, and, and I know she, this particular coworker, I know she would want to honor God. So I, I told her, you know, I pulled her aside, I said, look, <laughs> God did not tell me to tell you, but can you consider this as opposed to that? And so she was, she appreciated that, um, 
you know, and she went about her life. But, um, but I wouldn't presume to say that God told me to, God told me to tell you, don't do that. <laughs> um, so. I think so, but I don't know. I think so. Um, so let's see. The next question is, if my slide will go. <clears throat> I forgot to write down the next question. So you guys make up your own question, but that's the answer right there. <laughs> What is the result of, of God um, caring for us the way that, that he, he does? And we already talked about that a little bit. Um, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices and my flesh also dwells secure. And like Pastor Joel was saying, we, in the life of David, if you go back and read through that, you see over and over and over again that he was preserved by God. He was protected from uh, the assaults of Saul. He was protected from from Saul's army, God guided him to, to different places, um, and he hid him away, and, um, and David always, you know, honored God, and, um, and he was always seeking God's direction. So in his flesh, he was secure um, through God and what, and what he did. Um, and again, one of the commentators said, a believer throws the whole weight of all his affairs and concernments, temporal, spiritual, and eternal, upon the promises of God, like a man resolved to stand or fall with them. He ventures himself and all that belongs to him entirely upon this bottom, which is in effect to say, if they will not bear me up, I am content to sink. Think about that. Are you willing in our jargon today to go all in with God, all that you are and all that you have to put it into his care. And you are, you venture yourself that if God doesn't bear you up, that you're content to sink. Is that something that we, that we do? Yet will I trust him? Yeah. Um, and Paul said a lot of similar things. Um, you know, Paul had had all the the earthly things going in his direction. You know, he had the the pedigree and the training and the, you know, he was he was on the fast track to the top, and that was all garbage. So you know, once he saw the truth, once he saw Jesus was his Messiah. Then, then he knew that, um, you know, that all that stuff wasn't going to bear him up, and he was content to sink with, with Jesus if Jesus was sinking. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, um, I think that's that's part spiritual. Do you think it's part we the, the grayer our hairs get, 
the, uh, the more times we beat our head against the wall and we realize that it's not going to change the wall? <laughs> Yeah. 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 And I, I think that's where that meditation comes in. You know, we're meditating on his on his word day and night. We're also meditating on how we see that word playing out around us. You know, that's part of that med- meditation. And I think that's what a, one of the things that that David was looking at in the night also, my heart instructs me. Um, you know, he, he saw in his own life over and over and over again how God dealt with him and how God blessed him and how God protected him and how God directed him in the right directions. Um, yeah. 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 And that's why worry is so pointless because God doesn't give us grace to deal with things that are not currently a situation. Right. You know, I, I, you know, but He does if you're in a crisis. But it, I, this past reminds me, my friend Linda, when she was dying of cancer, she had written around her house, even if He does not. You know, from Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're, of course, praying that he, she would be healed, but even if He does not, I will still praise Him. You know, and I. And she died, you know, and and she didn't every day have faith to be right. glad in the midst of that. Sometimes she was really angry, and but I think she walked in a faithful way, trusting that God had her healing in His hand, regardless of whether it was in this life, you know. And I think that when we when we trust that the boundaries have fallen, like the boundaries have fallen in present places, but verse one is preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. Yes. You know, it's like this whole context is I'm in a serious situation. Right. Here, you know, and I think that it does remind us that even in that context, all these things are true. You know, and all these things about I bless the Lord and you know, he's at my right hand, I won't be shaken and I rejoice, and all these things are in the context of, of deep trouble, Help me. you know? And I find yeah. that very comforting because it's not like the Christian life is, it's not, not just the Christian life, it's not that life is easy. Right. Life is full of challenge, but the, but the one who trusts in the Lord has that quiet center in the middle of all of that chaos. Yeah. You know, huge comfort. Um, one of the church fathers, I think it was Polycarp, I'm not sure, do you, uh, well, you don't know what story I'm getting ready to tell, so... <laughs> Sorry. Um, the, the people, yeah, well, the, the, the uh, soldiers were coming to arrest him, and, and they were going to take him back to, um, uh, he would eventually be martyred. And he knew what they had come for. They didn't know who he was. And they came to his house. And so he, he housed them, fed them, and then the next morning, you know, well, let's go. And they're like, well, all you got to do is recant. He goes, well, the Lord is, you know, for 80 years, you know, he's taking care of me. How am I going to say, how am I going to change that now? And then he went on and and was martyred. Um, I just think whenever I hear stories like that, I just think what that, wonder what that that night was like for him. Um, Probably, 
pretty peaceful if that's the way he really felt. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's hard. Um, but if you have that perspective that, that this is not all there is, this, this is a much bigger, much bigger deal than, than what, what I could see, um, it helps. Right. Do you think it could be talking about both? Well, it says it's not talking about David in the New Testament. Well, it, I... I've, is still here, and he's still, he's still right. buried. But this is talking about Jesus, that the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah. Right. Well, that's where we're going next. That's where we're going next, so hold that thought. <laughs> and we'll look at, we'll look at that uh, verse from Acts in just a minute. A couple of verses, passages from Acts. Um, but yes, that's, that's where it's headed. That um, uh, David obviously died. And so this, this passage, um, well, the next slide, you know, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or, or let your Holy One see corruption. Um, and so that's what I was going to ask was, was, do you think David was talking about David or was he talking about somebody else? Um, obviously, it's not completely fulfilled um, necessarily uh, in David's life. And the, um, the apostles applied that verse definitely to Jesus. So we'll, we'll look at that. Um, We'll look at that next. But in the sense of Sheol, like, like Pastor Joel was saying earlier, um, David's soul went to Sheol in the, these terms, but he's not going to stay there. He's going he's to be resurrected out of that, um, just like we will be. So Acts 2, 29 and 32, this is, um, this is the Apostle Peter uh, shortly after Pentecost. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses." So that's how Peter uh, looked at it. Um, do you think prophets always saw how their prophecy would be fulfilled? I, I think sometimes they, they didn't. Um, Peter himself said that, that they didn't know the things that we now know. Right. Um, so I don't know if he was talking about himself in any sense or if he was strictly talking about the Messiah whenever the Messiah would come. 
Um, and honestly, the commentators that I read this week weren't in unanimous agreement on that point either. Um, some said that they thought that, that he was talking about himself in a sense, but with a wider sense pointing toward the, toward the Messiah. So, you know, it's, it's um, is it the, the job of a prophet to understand in detail what, what that prophecy means? You know, sometimes when Pastor Joel's preaching on Sundays, I might be the only one that, that thinks this way, but sometimes when, I'm, when he's preaching on Sundays, I, I, the thought comes to my mind is like, does he have a spy cam in my house? You know, is he, is he watching what's going on in, in my house? Do you? <laughs> He's not denying it. <laughs> I think I think we I think we have a conspiracy theory here. We need to we need to write this down. But you know, in a sense, he does have a spy cam in my house because he's preaching the word of God, and who's in my house with me is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit knows what I need to hear, and so whenever he's laying out God's word for us, um, the Spirit will fill in the blanks for me where I need it. You know, just like when you and I could hear the same sermon and we will have two different applications of what he preached. And that's not to say that the truth is different for us. It's just that the things in my heart that need addressing are not the things in your heart that need addressing. And so that's what's great about uh, God's word and that's what's great about uh, having someone that, that preaches it. But the Holy Spirit uses that word to work in our hearts and our kidneys. <clears throat> I've been endorsed. <laughs> Many times I come up to Joel and say, that was tremendous because it was feeding my heart. Right. And I think it, it was different for me and it was probably different for you. Yeah. But there are elements in every one of your sermons that touch, touches your heart. So, yeah, and that's why, um, you know, that's why that, that, preaching of the word is central to the church. We've got to have that at the center of our, of our worship and the center of our, uh, our existence. Well, this is how um, the Apostle Paul looked at that. Um, and we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, this he has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus and as as also it is written in the second psalm, you are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, he has spoken this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David. Continuing on that same passage. Therefore he says also in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his father's and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest what is said in the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells it to you. So, of course, who is he whom God raised up? Jesus. Um, and what are the consequences of that? 
that's a that's a clue there. If anybody wants to, uh, <laughs> that we, can <laughs> we can be raised up. Um, we're freed from everything that the law was not able to do. We can't do it through the law of Moses. Um, so again, as as Pastor Joel mentioned earlier, this was central to the teaching of the apostles. The the death and resurrection of Jesus was at the very uh, heart of their of their message. Um, but it comes with a warning. Now, it says, look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe, even if one tells it to you. So how might that warning be applicable today? How can you use that in your own life? Um, we have a very um, cynical population uh, that we that we live amongst, and so you know you're probably not going to win very many friends if you walk up and say, "Look, you scoffer, you need to be astounded, astounded, and, and uh, you know we need to, but we need to understand that that people around us don't necessarily see that resurrection as such a wondrous thing that, as it really is." They don't understand that resurrection the way that we understand it. And uh, so we have to help them come face to face with it. They may still reject it. They may still um, turn their back to it. Um, but, but they still need, to, uh, still need to see it. And that's why, where I was thinking the, the passage that's also been mentioned today is the, the rich man and Lazarus. Excuse me. And he said... No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the... This is the rich man talking to, uh, to Abraham. And remember, Lazarus is the poor man. He's at Abraham's bosom. And there's a chasm. And they, you know, he wanted... Uh, the rich man wanted Lazarus to dip his finger in cool water and, and cool his tongue with it. Um, but there could be no, no crossover. Um, and so the uh, rich man wanted... Uh, Abraham to send Lazarus back to his, his um, house so that his father and his five brothers would see the truth. And uh, Abraham said, no, they have the prophets. And uh, the rich man said, no, Father Abraham, but if somebody goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will, will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Um, so, of course, that points toward Jesus, too, someone rising from the dead as a witness. But, um, but it hinges on, on how they viewed the, the law and the prophets. So, you know, if they weren't serious about God, because God is in there, uh, if they weren't serious about uh, God and, and what they had um, seen, then uh, even someone rising from the dead is not going to, uh, to make a difference to them. So... Have the prophecies in Psalm 16 been fulfilled? For Jesus. For Jesus. And not yet for us. Not yet for us. Though we are united to him by faith, and they, because he, he rose, we will rise. 
Yeah. So the already and the not yet. So it's coming. Um, and then this, I just like this part of that psalm that I'll go back to. You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So it just reminded me that what's question number one of the catechism? I know you guys know this. What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. Um, so we see this. Um, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Um, so that's the promise of the resurrection. Uh, that, that through Jesus and what he did for us, uh, we'll be in the presence of God forever. And we will have the fullness of joy that, that comes with that. Any other comments? I actually got the timing right today. Would you close us in prayer, please? Amen.